0: Welcome to Luther's Brew Brothers with Pastor Pat and Layman Dave. We're talking today about what Lutherans refer to as the third use of the law. The first use of the law is a curb for all people to keep us fearful of punishment from committing crimes. The second use of the law is a mirror that shows us how far we have fallen from God's perfect standard. And the third use is as a guide for Christians only to keep us on the narrow path to follow after Christ. Many today disregard the third use as unnecessary for believers, but it is helpful for Christians to reverently fear God and so strive to learn, mark, and inwardly digest his word, and like David in Psalm 119, verse 11, to hide his word in our hearts that we may not sin against him. So, hey, Pastor, before we get going on this, I bet you're leaping for joy
1: that you're going to be able to have Pentecost service this Sunday. Oh, man, you know it. I have been longing to get into the house of God and with his people. We've been certainly taping, so I can't say I'm, I'm not there, but it's kind of like Oakland. You know, there's no there there, as it was said once. Um, sorry, Oakland people, if you're listening. But, you know, there's something about the gathering. I mean, I love the technology and the streaming or i guess we're taping it and putting it out has been it's been a lot of fun with the people that have been doing it with me and i've been enjoying it i know it's still god's word going forth but you're right i am looking forward to being there in person preaching that law and gospel awesome so what are you drinking to celebrate that brother it is summertime unofficially i mean memorial day weekends behind us now so i kind of departed from the the luther brew Kind of recipe here, and I'm going with a gin and tonic. I mean, that was my dad's go-to summer drink, so nice. I just made myself a nice gin and tonic, and uh, I thought that would help kind of get me in the mood of summertime and uh, uh, a little good chat with us too. Cool. well, I'm drinking some of your faves. I'm drinking On uh, neck
0: of the woods a caramel macchiato stout oh. from uh, a local brewery old busthead here in Virginia, and wow. uh, it's very course, very I was tasty. There trying it.
1: Taste tastes yeah. like desserts.
0: So. Yeah,
1: it's like that, uh, that uh, belching beaver peanut butter stout. That's kind of like a dessert brew. You almost kind of hate to ruin a good uh, pizza with it. I mean, it deserves its own kind of attention all by itself. So some of those yeah. are good. Well, so with the three uses of the law
0: to restrict, convict, and direct, I guess we can kind of mm-hmm. say it convict. that way. Uh, we understand restrictions, especially during the pandemic here. And no one really likes it, uh, and, and also being convicted by our behavior is not very much fun either. But direction, which is the third use, is not something that the sinful
1: flesh likes very much, is it? It d- I can't know it. The sinful flesh cannot be motivated by the third use of the law. That's that's spirit's territory, where the word of God is received in joy, and we and we participate. Uh, dare I say we cooperate? I mean. God's grace in all things Christ through us, but we're there along uh, the process. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, for an unbeliever, they're not going to understand that part of the law. They'll understand the government saying you'll get a ticket or a fine or imprisonment if you don't do this. And maybe, like you mentioned, that conviction that, gee, I'm not a good person. We're supposed to be in this together. Maybe I should be thinking uh, of others a little bit. But the motivation of love changes for the Christian. You mm-hmm. know, the law now is not, we, we don't obey God's law out of fear of punishment. Uh, we do so out of, out of love, God's love in us, Christ's love in us, participating and flowing through it. And I guess that's always been the hard part of this debate, because Lutherans have argued this use of the law. Certainly they did in the, in the uh, latter part of the 19th century, uh, it goes back even to the Book of Concord, you know, what is the, the use of the law. And uh, I, I think because we don't like applying law when we're talking about things like love and grace, mm-hmm. it, 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 it doesn't seem to fit, that that sometime, somehow doesn't, doesn't jive. So that's where I think the rub is. Yeah, but uh, isn't, isn't
0: love kind of defined by the law? I mean, Jesus it. defined it, defined the Ten Commandments the, as loving God and loving your neighbor, right? And so,
1: God first, love your neighbor as yourself, absolutely.
0: But isn't in in our postmodern world uh, where you know uh, antinomianism reigns, right. where against, where people yeah people are against the law, they want to do what they want to do, and they want you to agree that you know love can be whatever you want it to be, whatever you mm-hmm. want it to mean. But we have to look don't we have to look at love through the lens of the law,
1: how we treat how we how our relationship with God and our neighbor should be? Well, because we're still in an imperfect flesh, I, I would think that there is some wisdom to say even the new man, the one born again through the blood of Jesus, baptized, confirmed, you name it, even that person still needs some direction as to what love looks like. And then we look of course to the life of Jesus, and uh, he within us. And that gives us some idea that, oh, okay, now I want to do what is right in the eyes of God, Mm -hmm. which means love him first and my neighbor as myself. But now from a day-to-day basis in the context of my place and time, what does that look like? And so sometimes the law of God can be useful in in that sense of a guide because love is a big word, and sometimes we need to kind of narrow it down in specific things as to... uh, you know, why Why we love, where the strength comes to love, the perseverance for it. It's no longer about self-love and about attention, grabbing, but it's about service. It's mm-hmm. about giving right. of self. Yeah, and it's I about our vocations. About. Yeah, yeah our, our, you know. our calling and such. You know, to be honest, though, um, for me on this issue, as I've reflected upon it, I mean, you got the salami. You can cut that salami how many slices you want, and it's still going to be what it, it is. I mean, some would argue that there's two uses of the law. There's the inward and the outward. There's those that are arguing, as we've said in the catechism, the three uses of the law. Heck, the Jews had some, you know, 600 ways of explaining the righteousness of God and the law. And I think... You know, in a sense, you know, in one sense, practically speaking, how you cut that, that salami up of God's holiness, God's righteousness in terms of human behavior and activity, it really doesn't matter. Because to me, what the law really speaks about is that essence of God's righteousness, God's holiness. And in that sense, even law and gospel, while I understand, listeners, please don't get me wrong on this, I understand law and gospel need to be divided. But the gospel, in a sense, restores to us what was, what was taken away from the law through our sin. The gospel does and offers what we cannot do then for ourselves. But it's not that the law has gone away or something. It's not that the gospel has replaced the law in that sense. If you understand that the law is the righteousness of God, if the law is holiness, the gospel makes us then or declares us rather holy, declares us righteous through the blood of Jesus so in that sense, there's no slices at all. There's no 1, 2, and 3. There's no 1 and 2. There's no 600. There's just God's holiness. And how do we come before the holiness of God? We can't, as sinners, do it through the law anymore. So now the gospel, then, is that route to then come before the holiness of the Father. We approach the throne of the great, grace through the obedience of Christ. So in that sense, did not muddy the water, but in that sense, the gospel almost serves as that sense of christ's law that he is a law unto himself he's obedient he does the things mm-hmm. that we couldn't do for ourselves right so i don't i guess i'm saying a uh, brother is i don't understand why lutherans have to argue about this and why you know we worry about how many slices there are in the salami when the salami tastes pretty good as it yeah. is you know just pick it up and start chewing on it <laughs> you know it's the whole so ca- yeah from uh you know it reminds me
0: uh what i what i heard rod Rosenblatt uh, say. What what the law
1: demands, the gospel gives. Yeah, I like that. Right. Or I remember in, in confirmation class with my pastor, Pastor uh, Don Hansen, you know, the, the law shows us our sin, SOS, and the gospel shows us our Savior. So it's still SOS. It's just in one context, shows sin, shows Savior. Of course, that's the second use of the law, the mirror. But, you know, a verse maybe that I want to throw in while we're, while we're chatting here, get too far ahead, is Galatians. It's Luther's book. It's the go-to uh, passage. It was one of his great works, his commentary on Galatians. And in chapter 2, beginning at verse 16, I'll pick up. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Now, you talk about cutting that salami. Paul says it three times, not by mm-hmm. observing the law. Right. And I think he's not trying to make three parts of something or, or dissect. He's just emphasizing that sinners cannot, because the context here is, is the person who ha- has violated God's law, the sinner, He's talking about the judaizers who want to bring the Christians back to a place of observing ceremonial law in particular circumcision. So that's yet another aspect of well how many slices is in this righteousness of God thing? It it's how many, you know, it depends on who you are. I guess you can add all kinds of rules and expectations and that's the very mindset I think Jesus fought against this idea that by making more rules we set up the pretense that we are self-righteous because look at all these rules I keep, or maybe I don't keep all of them, but if I have, you know, if I have 10 rules and I mess up on, on eight of them, well, I'm a pretty bad sinners, but if I have 8,000 rules and I mess up on, you know, 6,000, well, I've kept 2,000 percentage wise it's the same, but it, it looks like we're doing better somehow mm-hmm. when right. we think that we're keeping the rules. And I think that's what the Bible speaks against. Right. So in that sense, again, I don't know that how we how we divide the law is what's at stake. It's how we separate the law from the gospel in the sense mm-hmm. of that the law we cannot keep. And that's what I think St. Paul is arguing. And that was Luther's big crusade, mm-hmm. too, of course, of grace alone, faith alone.
0: Right. And, and at the same time, I think Luther saw the law as useful for training Mm-hmm. For um, for training for, as a pastor would train a congregation, or as a, a mother and father would train a child.
1: Um, oh, absolutely!
0: To to uh, to so that so that you know what God what God's demands are, but what God's expectations are as well. I like I think, he says this. He says this as part of his preface to the Small Catechism, stress especially that commandment or any other specific part of the catechism doctrine which. Your people neglect most. For example, among craftsmen and merchants, farmers, and employees, you must powerfully stress the seventh commandment, which forbids stealing, because among such people many kinds of dishonesty and thievery occur. Also, for younger persons and the common man, you must stress the fourth commandment, which urges them to be orderly, faithful, obedient, and peaceable, Mm -hmm. always bringing in many Bible examples of how God punished or blessed such people. Mm-hmm. So and he, Luther may not have you know used the term third use of the law, um, right uh, but I think here's a good example of how uh, the law could be um, could be used in that in that sort of way right. uh, so that so that people understand um, you know, based maybe on their vocation or where that they're at in life, what uh, what they may be struggling with the most. For example, like in our modern culture, uh, we have a big problem with, uh, with uh, people living together and mm-hmm. as Christians and thinking that that's okay. Right. So, so, the, so the law is useful in training uh,
1: for, for that purpose. It is, and I, and I, I think, I mean, it would be nice to say that a person becomes a Christian and somehow the Holy Spirit fills in all the gaps and they just know that, mm-hmm. oh, that's wrong. Um, we should be married and, you know, not even give a hint of sexual immorality, or right. maybe to some extent a, a, a lesser example in the category of stewardship, um, you, know, the, you know, the Christians debate the tithe and what right. is proper giving in terms of a, a dollar amount, and that's all, again, very law talk, you know, tell me specifics and the details and such, and Malachi, of course, we all go to the chapter three about robbing God and test him and see that he would not pour forth you know, such a blessing. So, I mean, I realize the use of a law in terms of parish ministry, even though in my heart, I'd say, hey, the law has been fulfilled by Christ. We, we don't need to, to itemize it or specify it. But then in practicality, I guess I got to admit, mm. I do, because people do need sometimes a little bit of specific guidance that, hey, not only is this uh, a, a blessing of God who has blessed you, the gold and silver is His. That's what, what Habakkuk says. But you know, we we do this out of Christian love, and but since you need a little bit of help, you know, maybe uh, maybe we can look to the tithe as a possible standard. But I use the word proportional. I, mm-hmm. I don't really hammer this is, issue of the ten percent giving because sometimes you just. Like you mentioned with children, you can just exacerbate people like 10%. You're kidding. You know, maybe they've never given anything before in their life or maybe they've only given one or two percent, you know, which is, you know, uh, certainly, you know, pocket change. They spend more at Starbucks than they do in their Sunday offering. Mm. So you sometimes need to kind of challenge people. That's law talk too. you know, kind of exhort them uh, to do better, to grow. But all of this, though, honestly, is in the context of, well, why are they even listening or doing it? And it's because God's spirit is within them and the love of Jesus is there. So is it law? I guess I would have to admit technically I'm guiding them through specific examples and uh, details of of godly behavior, but the motivation is different. And that's why I still say for me, I don't know that I'd call it necessarily a a use of the law. It's maybe just discipleship. That this is you're born again and grow up in your salvation now mm-hmm. that you have tasted the Lord is good. And what does that maturity look like? Right. And and we gotta remember too that that even though we do have
0: the Spirit of God in us, we are regenerate, but we still have the old Adam hanging around our necks. That's a good point too. That's and point too. Yeah. and uh, the I think the third use of the law is helpful to subdue our flesh right. is is to, you know, is to practice the law of God. Uh, and and we're going to fail but right. you know but but well, practicing that is 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 I think it's useful to like a runner would run and and condition his body the the law helps us condition our uh, condition our
1: uh our flesh you know Certainly can I mean it's usually a short term cuz I used to think uh, hearing about the first use of the law being the curb. And I said, no, that's not a good illustration. It's more like a club. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> let's beat the old Adam into submission. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, the, obviously the mirror shows our sin, but maybe, maybe the third use of the law, honestly, is a little bit like a club too, more than we want to admit. Mm. Even the new man needs to be smacked upside the head By the Holy Spirit's two by four, sometimes to say, "Quit doing that." You know, that's sinful behavior. Don't go that way. Now, is that law or is that gospel? Is that the Holy Spirit? I mean, sometimes we're we're kind of you know, straight in the gnats and swallowing the camel. I think we're missing sometimes the bigger picture. Yeah, maybe it, it comes down to, for example, you know,
0: the 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 older I get, I think the more I'm in the Word and the more I'm studying, the the worse that I. I'm seeing that I am the worst sinner that I know that I am, and maybe that's part of it too. Is is is, is in terms of that conditioning, is, is is you're able to see your sin more. You're when, not arguing the point you, anymore or justifying. Yeah. you're you I'm just I'm I'm looking at the word and I'm seeing uh, this this is how God wants me to be, and I want to do better, you know. Uh, yeah, because I've I got think that so. spirit of God in me, you know. And so maybe so is that's that more. Law? Um, I think that, that could be the third use of the law is, is that when that motivates you to want to do
1: better. See, I see that as a fruit of faith, the Holy Spirit just tugging on your heart and you growing up in your salvation as a disciple of Jesus. I oh, guess yeah. you could call it the law. I'm not going to quibble, but I, I guess I, I see that as just an outgrow, a fruit of faith. I, but I know the law is always subservient to the gospel, always. Mm. The, the law always will condemn the sinner right right which we all are and that's that's why we have to talk about it well it's kind of like you know i wonder i I look at it sometimes this way is there is there the law of god in the kingdom of heaven when we are resurrected in the glorified flesh is there going to be ten commandments in heaven or is it just a natural outflowing of our life in christ with the holy spirit in unison and in all of that and I'm not so sure we we would you don't need the Ten Commandments in well the Adam King. and Eve
0: Adam and Eve didn't get them right. they didn't come
1: till till later yeah so, they uh, got the one don't eat the fruit of that oh, tree sure sure they, yeah they did it anyway so yeah because they chose themselves over God which is maybe ultimately that question again of of maybe love do I love myself more than I love God mm-hmm. and so like I'll, I'll return to my original thought there about. You know, the Ten Commandments, Um, you know, I think God had to, for our sake, you know, itemize things a little bit. You know, you got the first table, a relationship to him, and the second table, starting with parents through our neighbor uh, uh, on, on, on our relationship with them. So, I mean, you would like to think that, well, does somebody have to tell you that you should love God because look at all he does for you and look at how great God is. Yeah, apparently he does need to tell us in our sinful flesh. And what about our neighbor? Do you really have to tell children to be grateful for what their parents do? And, and it's wrong to kill somebody, and it's wrong to lie? You, you know, in our sinful flesh, we need to be told those things. Mm-hmm. But not just told. They need to be enforced. And that's where that aspect, again, of yeah, that yeah. club club of society, you know, the, the, the government will put us in jail if we break the law, and, and so forth. But to the new man... You know, the person who has Christ within, you know, the, I guess this is the argument and this is why we're raising this topic. Is it really law now when you're saying to the Christian, hey, you should do the right thing, you should be loving, you should give a faithful proportionate offering, you, you shouldn't live with somebody who is not your husband or wife, but you should be married in the eyes of God. Um, you, maybe need to, you may still need to be told to do those things. And in that sense, I guess technically that's law. But I think the motivation and the power to act on that behavior is all grace. It's, the, it's Jesus within. So I'm more apt to want to call that, in the context of gospel, more a fruit of faith, mm-hmm. uh, just righteous living. Because now we want to do what is right in the eyes of God. We don't need to be beaten to do it, argued with to do it. Maybe a little bit of explanation to point us in the right direction, sure, because like you said, I think that's the, the problem. We're still abiding the sinful flesh, mm-hmm. and the old Adam yeah. is still there creeping out. His head needs to be drowned out daily in repentance and smacked over the head with the club of God's law because it, he rears his, his ugly head. But I guess in the bigger picture, because I guess, okay, my concern is this, is that when we start... You know, talking law talk, it's just that possible crack in the door to kind of let legalism back in, to turn the gospel or Jesus into a new Moses. And what would Jesus do? You know, the, remember that slogan for a long yeah, time? Yeah, right. You know, I don't, I don't need Jesus as my moral example. Oh, okay, I want to be a good person now. I'm a Christian. I go to church. So what does Jesus do? What would he do in this situation? Okay, I'm going to try to be like him. No, he's in me. It's not even my thought process. I submit my will to his, and his spirit guides me. And there's something mystical happening within the Christian's heart and mind that moves us and motivates us almost naturally. Like, do you think about breathing? Do you think about, I'm going to make my heart beat faster? These things kind of happen naturally. I think more, in, without trying to sound charismatic here or something, that the Holy Spirit is just doing things you know, on his own, and we're just mere robots. I think we're aware of the process, but I don't think we're engaged in some kind of a debate with God. Like, well, Lord, what's the right thing to do? Okay, let me weigh the evidence here, and okay, I guess I'm going to take this path because it seems better than the other. I don't think we really engage at that level. It's just something that happens within us.
0: Well, I, without the third use of the law, or with maybe de-emphasizing it, what I can't, th- what I can look to almost is, isn't that kind of a um, not a correct view of sanctification. It kind of throws you back to
1: justification always, doesn't it? Well, I think sanctification is um, a living out of justification. Justification is to be declared righteous, and right. sanctification to be made righteous, and it's a process. But in a sense, you almost can't talk about sanctification as having some kind of essence. It is merely living out who we are in Christ. So it's not a thing by itself
0: with the spirit's help
1: yeah yeah god christ within uh, is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me this is this is i think paul's classic argument of Mm -hmm. this whole you know dichotomy of the new man the old man justification sanctification law gospel who's doing it it's not me it's christ in me now i'm a willing participant but i take no credit for that well there's a i guess what i'm kind of kind of looking at is there's
0: there's a lot of churches out there today that are just, they're basically saying, I'm forgiven. Christ has forgiven uh, me, so I can do whatever I want. Well, you, you know, know, I can, you know, love whoever I want. I can, you know, the law doesn't apply to me anymore. I, and, you know, uh, maybe they take uh, they take Paul's words uh, and twist them, you know. Uh, well, Paul let me also, ask. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Go finish your thought. Uh, well, well, Paul also... Uh, also says you know uh, should we sin more that a grace abounds more by no means um so there's there's that aspect i think that that there are there are some churches out there that it just that are just throwing
1: the law out altogether it's like a cult of love i i think i know where you're going on that with with this kind of like touchy feely god and we don't want to talk about right and wrong and sin because it's all this loving god and not this meaning of the Old Testament uh, that's uh, antiquated thinking. But here's the question, though, that I was g- going to raise there. It's the person who says, well, you mean I can just you know, li- live how I want and love who I want because I'm forgiven? Well, I've asked that person, you know, well, what do you want to do? Now that you know you're mm-hmm. forgiven, now that you know the Son of God gave his very life for you, loves you so much, Mm -hmm. Now that you have tasted that love and know the comfort that comes in terms of heaven as your home, what is it that you want to do? Right. And to the person who is really, you know, has that love of Christ within him, whatever language you want to use here, born again, you know, uh, come to Christ, baptized, the person who truly believes, they don't want to do those things anymore. I agree with you 100%. They say, you know what, uh, the, the allure of the world is no longer alluring because now I have a greater love within me and I see the world for the lies and deceptions that it is. So do you need to tell the Christian, do you, you do you want to still get drunk? Do you want to go around chasing uh, every pretty girl that you see and have sex with her? Do you, do you want to steal from your neighbor because you see an opportunity, he dropped his wallet and you forgot it? now that you know the greater love of God and the love of neighbor that that brings? And the answer, it invariably comes back, well, no, I really don't want to do those things anymore. I don't find them interesting. I don't want to be hungover and throwing up, you know, in my, in my Cheerios in the morning. I, I don't want to be wondering, you know, what disease I'm going to catch from this girl uh, or, or the next, or I want to have the substance of love. So that's why I'm saying, I guess, for the born-again believer, for the Christian, You know, they don't need to necessarily have that same conversation about the law in a formal sense. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. I mean, I really am. I understand that there's the guide of the law because sometimes people, even with good intentions and wanting to do the right things, just need a little bit of instruction. How do you do this? You know, it's not like the Holy Spirit automatically just tells us that this is right behavior. You got to sometimes be guided through Bible study. Sure. Of what sure. right behavior looks like. So that sense, the third use of the law, I get. But in terms of this formal thing where now, you know, okay, now I've, uh, the, the curb of the mirror has kept me within the check of society. The mirror has showed me what a terrible sinner I am and led me to the cross. Now forgiven. Now I need the law again uh, to tell me what to do. Is I, That's where I I don't necessarily see the law necessary in that sense. I think uh the 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 love of god the grace of god flows in us naturally through faith and we find ourselves doing what is pleasing in the eyes of god because god is within us because jesus and i don't think that's cheap grace because i know that's that fear is like oh i'm forgiven now i can do whatever i want no true christian ever says that no believer i have ever met has ever argued that point with me that now that i'm a christian and jesus died for all my sins I can go out and sin with impunity. I've never encountered that. Mm-hmm. I would almost argue that if that's really what you think, you have not repented and been moved to faith in the first place. That's, that's that cheap grace. Mm-hmm. So that sense, yeah, we don't want to preach that kind of a message that forgiven Christians can, can live as, as they want, but forgiven Christians don't need to be beat over the head with the law to do the right thing. It comes more naturally.
0: Mm. Well, through the spirit, but we still have we still wrestle with our flesh.
1: And, we do, and we're we going to
0: lose on occasion. Oh um, yeah,
1: which is know, why we come back for confession. Which we come back with the foot of the cross. Yeah. Why yeah. do we? Yeah. Why do we do that? And God bless us, Lutherans. That's if I can say one thing about you know our our form of worship. Um, you know, I know it looks traditional and out of step with with a lot of what's going on in the world. And, uh, hey, you know, God bless, I'm not throwing stones, but one egregious omission in much Christian worship today is the confession of sin and the holy absolution by Christ's authority to follow. And I think this may be a little bit what I sense, David, is your concern, is that this easy Christianity, this touchy-feely that, you know, we're loved, we're forgiven, let's not talk about sin and right behavior, um, I, don't, I don't think that's the right way. I think ministry requires us to judge sin, to condemn it through the law. Mm-hmm. That more, again, uh, you know, the second use you know, shows a, show our sin. How, how do I know, Paul would argue, how do I know what coveting was unless the law told me what coveting was? But now that I know coveting is wrong, I don't need to be constantly told coveting is wrong. I might need to be, you know, uh, steered a little bit. But I think the person who has the love of Christ in their heart doesn't want their neighbor's goods and conspire mm-hmm. to get them through any means because they're already happy with what they've been given. Food right. and clothing, let us therein be content. That's a Christian talking.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I, at I,
1: peace. I do remember sitting
0: in the pews at St. Uh, at, uh, John, and from time to time there'd be, there would be an issue that kind of was working its way through the church, and you would have to address it in a sermon. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking in terms of third use of the law is getting people kind of the guide, the, getting them yeah. back on track that, hey, this is not,
1: this is not appropriate, you know, well, uh, because a little, uh, yeah. you it's know, a little, a yeast, little yeast level at the lump. Yeah, gets, you're, you're, right, well. you're right, you're and, right. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm backpedaling or I'm a hypocrite here for what I've been saying. But yeah, uh, as a pastor, year after year, dealing with a variety of people in a variety of stages in their spiritual walk. You do have to sometimes be a little bit more, I guess, lack of a better word, law-oriented to say, this is wrong. This is the right way. This is the way you should be going. Stop doing that. So, yeah, you, you do find yourself sometimes having to confront bad behavior, even among God's people. So that is true. Um, I, I think there is the, that, that sense of, in, in, in pastoral care and ministry. But my, I guess... Now, where I'll steer back to say is that, but the motivation that I always appeal to is not, well, you better not, if you continue to do this, you're going to go to hell. Or if you continue to do this, you know, God doesn't love you anymore. Right. He loves me more than you. That's where the law breaks down then, and we, we you know, you can't you can't scare people into doing the right thing. It, it, no. Again, the law will motivate temporarily. You can get people to do good behavior for a little while, and every pastor knows how to use that right sermon to get immediate response like stewardship you know you can some people can make those false promises well if you give this much money then god will open the floodgates and he'll make you rich well that's a misuse of the word and not proper use of the law
0: right but it's it's always it's it's always um love of god and love of neighbor that's, that's the motivation love be, behind the law right it's it, your motivation uh is is that's what we need to get across is that we do That's we do it. these things. We, 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 we learn from the law
1: because we, we love God and because we love our neighbor. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's love that motivates the believer. And if we want to call that a third use of the law, motivated by love, like I said, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But uh, I think I see it more than creating another category. Is mm-hmm. just outflowing of what it means to be forgiven and loved by God. What it means to be saved. We're living out our sanct, our justification by sanctified life. Uh, We're living our our faith is a living thing. It's not something that's just static or academic. Now we know certain facts. It's a behavior that goes with it, and it does. You know, it's not going to be perfect. We we don't keep the law even as Christians Mm -hmm. fully in this life. It's we're always a work in progress, and in that sense, we need to be steered and 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 pointed. Otherwise, a congregation would never need a
0: shepherd to lead them. Yeah, The reason that there's a well, the reason there's there's a pastor is is to is to help in this way. I, I was she- looking at uh, I to reaffirm their confidence in, in the gospel. I was looking at First Peter chapter five, uh, verses two and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is to pastor shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, oh, but yeah. eagerly, not domineering over those near charge, but being examples to the flock. Yeah, yeah. See, so another uh, aspect of the third use of the law is
1: um, we, we can look to others as examples. Sure. He, right? Hebrews 11 is all about looking to the saints, right. those that have gone on before us.
0: And, and, and we imitate, right? Uh, sure. Be imitators, right? Uh, Paul says, be imitators of me. As I am a take uh, Christ. Right. Right. So isn't that kind of what we're talking about, too, as, as one of this, these aspects of the third use of the law is that, um, you know, you can look to your pastor. You can look to your mom and your dad. Uh, Titus 2, older men and older women are teaching the younger as examples, you know, uh, to them.
1: Um, Maybe you know, so as a big we-
0: examples. They, they're, 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 they're teaching them how to behave.
1: Well, maybe some of this stuff, this the whole debate historically and even as we're talking about it is maybe we are, in a sense, talking about the same thing, but we're using different words, vocabulary, nomenclature to describe it. Is it a third use of the law or is it just a living gospel? Is it just faith at work? Mm. You know, is it Luther's thing? You know, is it faith or works, faith or works, faith or works? Aha, faith works. And it's not one or the other. But it's just kind of this, uh, this uh, you know, like I say, uh, a f- a fish swims, birds fly, you know, horses gallops, Christians love. It's kind of who we are, and it becomes then just a natural uh, expression of, of the hope within us. But pastors, yeah, I mean, there is definitely the scriptures there that talks about the example that we set, once again, because that old Adam still clings to the new man. And, and uh, the new man needs to be reassured that he's on the right path by example. Oh, okay, well, others that are godly people have gone this way. I think that's where we look at even martyrs mm-hmm. who are willing to die for their faith and the so-called saints, uh, historic saints. We don't pray to them or intercede to them, but we look at their example of, of piety, of courage, right, and perseverance. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, and, but is it law or is it just they're living as Christians? I say sometimes we're saying the same thing, but we're using different language to talk You're about like, it. You're almost like we're peeling off a, a, an aspect of the law and making it something separate. Yeah, and I say that's where I, I, I don't want to – not that the law is bad. and It, it, it isn't. As I said initially the law is, I think to me, representative of God in his holiness. So the law is not bad. That would be saying, well, God's holiness is, is bad. But it's how do we get there? How do we get back before the law of God? How do we get back before God in his holiness? And that's the question of law and gospel. It's like you, you could get to God through the law if you kept it and thought word and deed perfectly always. If you were not born in a sinful flesh. I mean, arguably, you know, it, do the right thing. But we can't we're born in sin, and we yeah. actively pursue, so we need we need another way to come well, before God, and it's not the law anymore and
0: and the epistles from from Paul to the churches dealt with many uh many things that he had to address, right many right. errors uh, oh sure s- that he had to address to to try to again get the people uh back on track and uh practical you know,
1: stuff practical yeah. living we need the law for practical life for that that, you know, outward life, you know, how do we, how do we look, how do we act, how do we talk, but in terms of that inward relationship with, with God, um, the law will never help us, because it, it just, it can, the third well, use it, of the law won't help us either, because we don't keep that word well, yeah, well either. It always accuses, yeah. um, um, and, and, the, I mean,
0: there, we, we do, uh, we do work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right, um, uh, so there's, you know, there, there's a practical aspect uh, to the law. Uh, and yeah, it's going to, as a mirror, it's going to show us where we fall short. Um, but, but, uh, and we both talked about this, that, that it can be useful too, as oh, a yeah. guide to, to, so that we don't fall, we don't fall into, into, uh, rampant sin.
1: In a you know? practical way. It, it helps the pastor lead his congregation. It sets an example for Christians to follow. It can encourage, it can rebuke, I mean it has its place in terms of practical day to day living but it will never be it'll never be our means to come before the righteousness of God and enter the kingdom of glory uh it'll always be that which we aspire to but Christ right. has fulfilled and given us so living by the law is living in Christ it, yeah it, i mean uh you look at the the
0: book of james you look at first john mm-hmm. and you know you look at uh you know some of the com some of the commands there and you, you kind of see you you can well, kind of see at,
1: this look at We're, that first john i mean uh where, where john argues there i think it's uh in the opening chapter let alone throughout that whole first epistle is that the christian doesn't keep on sinning well how can he say that how can he say that a christian doesn't sin right well he can say that if he means by this thing law and gospel and saved and not saved that the the well, they're, true they're believer covered. The yeah, sins are their sins are no longer counted against them. It's not like their behavior now is recognized uh, by heaven. Because we know, in a practical sense, Christians still sin. But, but John would argue here that, well, no, they don't really. Because position, they're living yeah, positionally, out their faith. Positionally, they're, they're, uh, they're covered by the blood our of Christ. Status, our status before God in heaven through Christ hasn't changed. And then he talks in the, in the fifth chapter that there's, you know, a sin that leads to death and one that doesn't. And I don't say you should pray on this other one, too. It's like, well, wait a minute. I thought all sins are, condemn, you know, contemptible. So I, I think Scripture does recognize that there are, you know, that the, the, this role that the law has, you gotta talk, you got to know what, 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 what footing you're on. Are you talking mm-hmm. about, you know, again, the practical life here and now, or are you talking about the hope of eternity uh, the, our, our status before God, a righteous, Almighty God, and I think once you understand well what you're talking about, what what where where is your foot? Are you in heaven or here on earth? That depends. I think that determines then what you mean by uses of the law and its proper role and service. In terms of my hope to heaven, it has no place. Yeah. In terms of my life on earth, it really is only there to help and guide when needed. But really, what is at work is God's grace and Jesus within the sp- power of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit can yet use the law, because in that sense, the law is the Bible. I mean, a lot of what we talk about the law is we're, Bible passages. Right. Well, and, and, yeah. And, we're,
0: uh, the, you know, and when, we're, when we're observant of the law, then we're good citizens, and then people, people see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. Right. Um, so there, there's, a,
1: there's a good practical aspect there as well. Sure. Sure good works i mean they're not uh, uh they will save dis- to, no they're not to be discounted though but right. they don't save uh, they, but they but have their place like you said uh, god through the holy spirit can use those good works uh for the for the glory of god i guess for my th- just a final thought that i'm getting here is with with you know does the christian even think that this was a good deed I'm doing a good work. Uh, I, don't, I don't think well, so. I don't think we do. I don't let I, our right just, hand know what our left hand's doing. Exactly. We just do it. We're just living by the faith now, and by the grace of God, that faith, expression of the faith within us. It is not I, but Christ who is mm-hmm. in me. Yeah.
0: We can't discount what God can do through us. Yeah. Amen. One final passage here, uh, Psalm 19.
1: and that's God as himself, that perfect, pure essence, and Jesus restored that in his own obedience. I like that passage. Well, I think this was a good conversation.
0: It, Me uh, too. Yeah, it, it, it gives us some different aspects of the way of, of looking at the law, and I hope it helps uh, those that are listening. Um, I hope so too. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was a great conversation as always, Pastor. Yeah, and, uh, Look, look forward to our our next conversation. You
1: betcha. I'm and looking forward to it too. We'll see Amen. you soon. I hope God bless so, Sean. God be with you.